Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. And this series of episodes is focused on awareness about discrimination in all of its forms. There is so much to talk about, and it is a long overdue conversation. So like I said in the past, this is me trying to pull my weight, trying to open up this conversation. And today's guest is somebody who has such a unique perspective and I am dying to talk to him and hear what he has to say. And I am here with Akila Lacey. Hey, Akila, what's up? What's up? Okay, so I want you to tell us about yourself and give a little bit of a background. You have, like I said, such a unique story and such a unique perspective because there are so many layers. so excited to dive into it. So you tell us about you. All right. Well, Akila Lacey. I uh, uh, was born in California. Um, I was born in Culver City, California, and I lived, like half of my childhood, I lived in uh, the Watts area, so Watts, yeah. Compton, that kind of area. And after my dad got a, a decent job, he moved us out to Orange County, so I lived up in the suburbs for a while. And then I came to Pocatello to play football. I graduated. Once I stayed here, I was kind of lost. I thought I was going to go to the league. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Didn't quite know what I was going to do with my life, and I got recruited to be a police officer. So I ended up, I've been a police officer now for 10 years, actually. Wow. Shows my age a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that wild when you, crazy, like, say though. how long you've been in a job? Crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't think that it would <laughs> yeah. happen. Uh, so currently, like, in the, the police department, I am a canine handler. I run a dog, and I am a corporal, so it's kind of like a detective, but I'm in uniform because right I'm a dog. So, yeah, right that's on. what I do. Okay, so many questions. Yeah. I'm like frantically really writing quick. them down. That's like <laughs> no, that was quick, good. But... Thank you. That was well done. Though. <laughs> I feel like when I give my background, I'm like, well, there was this one time and I was fine. <laughs> I could never make it concise. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so well done. Um, so here's a question. How was your transition from Watts to the OC, like to the suburbs? Uh, okay, like, so... And how old were you? I, you know, every time I get asked that, it, like, it varies. <laughs> I don't remember it. Like, gotcha. I go based on like, you know, third grade sometimes, I think. But then I remember where, I don't know where I went to fourth grade. Yeah. Like, I'd be confused. So, gotcha. so I believe it was third grade is about where the transition happened. You want to know the craziest transition? Yeah. Was sleeping. Oh. Okay. So like I got, we moved out to Orange County and I went running to my parents' room and, and I just, I could not sleep hmm. because I heard crickets for the first time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I was like, dad, there's a sound. Yeah. What is the sound? You know? Yeah. It's like, and so where I lived, we lived, we lived by some projects in Watts and it was kind of a border of gang territories in the nineties. Right. So it was pretty high gang population. And so for me, like gunshots, helicopters, sirens, that was normal. I it's your reality. I go to sleep. Like yeah. that's fine. But when it comes to like crickets, I was I was real nervous about it. My yeah. dad always tells me that story. He's like, yeah, yeah. The, first, the first night we slept in Orange County, you could. Rattled. I was scared. Like, what what is that sound? Like <laughs> a monster, you know? So, Coming for me. Yeah. So uh, the adjustment, I think the biggest adjustment was going to a place where nobody looked like me, right? So, you know, yeah. I, was, I was it was 
it was like an interesting transition to just being like it being a norm I'm just a normal person yeah. like I, that's when I first realized I was a quote-unquote minority you know oh, yeah right and so after a while you know you start to just kind of get used to it and navigate it so Okay, again, so many questions. So when you're living from birth to third grade-ish, yeah. like you said, like you really had no awareness because that was just your day-to-day life. Exactly. Yeah, that was just and so did you ever feel unsafe or did that ever dawn on you or was that ever on your radar? Because that's just reality. So I think there's a lot of times when you, like, you listen to like rappers or just maybe even actors, comedians, you know, that it came from an inner city place and they talk about survival and... Mm-hmm. You know, I came from the gutter or whatever. Like, that really is true. Like, you learn really quick of how to navigate, where to go, where not to go, what stuff looks like. You know, you see things. uh, I mean, I remember we were watching basketball at my grandmother's house and a a bullet went through the front window. Oh, my gosh. You know, and it was like, my dad just looks at me. He's like, hey, we got to watch it on the ground. Like, so we sat on the ground. Like, it was, you know, people, like, I tell all my friends this story. Like, and people's reactions are like, whatever. But when I was little, it was like so nonchalant. Like, okay, you know, no big deal, you know. And so I think, like, when it comes to, you know, coming from that kind of area, I'm real blessed that I've been sprinkled in so many different areas yeah. in my life. Yeah. And so, um, I, so for me, I guess for lack of a better term, like the street smarts, mm-hmm. um, even though I was, such, I was such a young age, I mean, I still have family that stayed there. I mean, we went back every weekend. You know, I, I have one of my best friends lived in that area, you know. And so for me, it was like I always... I always uh, stayed connected into the inner city, yeah, and, I, and yeah. I understood. I understood what was going on, and yeah. you know, it just you just learn to survive, and you understood how to navigate. Wow! So those are formative years too, when yeah, you're internalizing much. things. Yeah. So I mean, because I remember see? a lot of it. You know, yeah. like, I remember a lot of it. So it's not like it was so foreign to me. To think yeah. And you're old enough that you remember things, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, third grade, yeah, so nine years old ish, mm-hmm. whatever, and. So do you see lingering effects? Like you said, I mean, you still have the street smarts and you still maintain that, but other lingering effects do you see? Just how you like react, like initially react to things? Um, Not as much. I mean, I think that, like I said, I think that I'm very fortunate that I've been able to experience so many uh, parts of life. Yes. And so, so many parts of this country and so many people. I guess I've been on the Northwest and West, right? Yeah. Um, But so many parts of it where I, you know, rural to inner city to suburb. Right. Yeah. I think that for me, I've just been able to take a lot of it. And a lot of that comes from like my upbringing and, mm-hmm. and what I've been taught and how to navigate. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you made it to Pokey, to Pocatello, to yeah. Idaho. Yes. How was that? Was that a culture shock? Because I hear oh, just man. anybody who comes here is like, what is this world is, that I stepped I, into? Yes. I just... I, so like when I grew up, right, guns are for bad guys and cops Mm -hmm. you know i mean there was really no in between yeah you know there was it wasn't like i just go shooting for pleasure you know like if i saw if i saw a gun i was probably running yeah or you know what i mean or i was hiding you know or something totally different context right and so i you know even though like you understood like the culture and the country and stuff you you know you had an idea of what it was it still was a shock i remember my first my dad drops me off up here. Um, our first grocery store trip, we're coming down up Pocatello Creek. We went to Winco when it was Winco. And we were at Jefferson, about to go turn back to campus, you know? And this is like, you know, your old 70s truck, yeah, like yeah. a little bit raised a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I had some shotguns and some rifles, like in the back seat. I looked at my dad, my dad looked at me. He's like, are those guns? I was like, I think those are guns. 
And he's like, well, son, you be careful out here, you know. And <laughs> just, like, tap me on my leg, like, hey, whatever. So, uh, wow. you, you know, it was, it was definitely different, you know. And, yeah. And, and I think for me, like, the hardest thing, I guess the biggest change is, it was as if you went into levels of minorityness, if that's a word, right? So, like, you know, I went from L.A. to Orange County where I was. There were still minorities, Asian, Mexican, you know, some black people few Polynesian people right mm-hmm. and then it's like now I come to Pocatello where there's even less of all the above yeah you know and oh, so yeah. then it was like wow now I'm more of a minority and yeah. then you get you add the fact that you're you know at that time I was big and mm-hmm. athletic and mm-hmm. probably a little bit more outspoken I guess mm-hmm. not, I'm, you know I'm a college kid I'm, <laughs> yeah, not, I'm yeah. not trying to be a professional yet yeah, you know yeah. and so for me I think uh, it, it was definitely a change yeah so did you ever have any comments or anything that anybody oh, yeah. expressed outwardly to you? Okay. Of course. Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's been times where uh, when I was young, or when, we first, when I first got up here, you know, I remember it was like after one of those corny clubs mm-hmm. that we had out here. Yeah, right? yeah. And we went to Jack and Boston. That was the only thing that was mm-hmm. open, you know. And uh, we were in the parking lot. It was my first girlfriend out here. And, She's a white girl, and and some dude just drove by and called her uh, inward lover oh, and gosh. all this stuff, wow. you know. And it, it kind of shook her because she yeah. didn't know, like. And for me, I was so. For me, it was so. It's almost expected, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's kind of like a, a weird way to live. To like uh, somebody's gonna say something stupid really to is. us, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I mean those kind of things, those kind of reactions, you know, have were few and far between. But like, it they did happen. They did happen. Mm-hmm. So, how has your perspective been throughout all of this? I mean, even the few and far between comments, has your perspective evolved? Like, your reaction when it happens? Is it, like, water off a duck's So, back? yeah. So, my upbringing, like, I was very fortunate. I, I lived in a two-parent home. Mm-hmm. My father was, is, and, I mean, a strong figure in my life. And so, I, I had a really strong father figure. So, I can give you, like, two stories that kind of helped me navigate these situations. And the first one was when we were younger, we first moved out to Orange County. Um, this guy was, um, what do you want me to say? the word or do you want me to say anything? I'm comfortable okay. with whatever whatever all right so with. so when uh we first moved out to Orange County we were in a grocery store parking lot and this dude was backing up and he almost hit me I was you know I was little and he's almost hit me and my dad tapped his car and was like hey 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 like you almost hit and this dude was like nigga don't touch my car you know wow. and I'm probably teen almost teenager like 12-ish or something at the time and you know he's like hey you just almost hit him you almost hit my son or you almost hit us you know and just my dad just kept walking and we got in the car you know and we're sitting in the car and i'm i'm all bowed up oh yeah come at me and i look my dad kind of looks at me like give me like that side eye like what are you doing you know yeah. and uh as he does that you know i'm just like and he's like what's wrong with you you know and i look at him like man like you you just let him call you nigga. you didn't do nothing you know he's like you know like like a little fake gal like yeah like what, what what, do you, what did you expect me to do? I'm gonna go whoop his ass, like you, you know. What do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, well, yeah. You can't just let him. You can't just let him do that. He just calls you, you know. You can't just let him do that. He's like, and he literally just shook his hands at me, like, ooh, sticks and stones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he goes sticks and stones. He's like, what's gonna happen, man? Like, I go, I go, I go, and we get into a fight or whatever. Yeah. He, he called the police. Get called. You know, he's at best case scenario, we both get arrested. Yeah. You know, he's at likely scenario, I get arrested. Yeah. Uh, he says, and then what happens to you? 
Like, then then, then what happens, you know? Long game. You know, and so, and then at that point, he was just like, you know, some stuff you just gotta let ride. So, you know, we kind of deal with that. And then, like, I guess I told that story out of order because that happened later on in life. But then, like, when we first had moved out there, I had answered the phone when he had his new job. He worked for the, it's called Department of Water and Power. It's like, Mm. it's like Idaho Power, but the city of L.A. Gotcha. And so he worked there and, you know, his boss calls and is like, hey, can I speak to Cliff? I'm like, hey, dad, you know, somebody's on the phone for you. And my dad answered the phone and says, hello? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sir, I'll be right there. You know, I hangs the phone up and I'm like, dad, why you talk white? You know, and he picks me up, like, sits me on the couch. He's like, there's no such thing as talking white. It's talking intelligent, you know? Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I talk to you different than I talk to, than I talk to my boss. I talk to my, I talk to your uncle different than I talk to yes, you. Yes, I love that. Not you assigning know? color right, to it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I talk, like, everybody, I talk, you have to talk different. And if you don't learn that quick, you're going to end up in jail. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And something like that. And so it always stuck to me. I love that. And so, like, that's how, for me, it's, I've always been, that's why I was able to navigate, you know? Yeah. I could go, like, we go back home on the weekend, I go, I go hang out with my friends in LA or in, in like the Crenshaw area where my grandma lives, mm-hmm. you know, my cousins and everything. I can navigate that. Yeah. I come back to Orange County, I can hang out with whoever, the Asian guys, yeah. and the surfing white dudes. Yeah. The, you know, I can just navigate that. And then yeah. I, you know, I come to Idaho State and I play with a lot of, a lot of friends that were yeah. from like Compton, you know, Long Beach or whatever. I can navigate that. I just, and now I could go play church ball at the, the local wards. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, totally. You just learn it. And for me, that's, that's where I navigate. So I guess to, the long answer to your question is like, you know, how did I deal with that stuff? You know, there's some days that you catch me on a bad day. It's really frustrating. And, you know, I might have to snap back or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But for Just like most, with anybody, yeah. But for the most part, it's like, you know, you're you're the one that's got a problem and whatever. Yeah. I can keep it moving. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a great perspective. And I love that also like your dad's lesson about that's just talking intelligently that's professionally that has nothing to do with color people of all colors do that they assimilate to whatever environment they're in you do that whether you're talking to well most people if you're talking to your grandma you talk differently and then how you talk to your boss or you talk to your friends and whites and nobody else have license to a certain way of talking and like this is why i want you to like help me navigate through this because to me that just seems insulting because you're human and you're intelligent and right. like color doesn't even need to be a part of that right, right, right. and it's just like you said like your dad said it's just talking intelligently and i love that and i fully believe in that and yeah love it okay so moving on you played football i did how was that fun good i you mean, liked it yeah good. yeah good. i mean uh, for me you know i didn't really i only played football but i started playing football my junior year of high school Oh, really? Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. I, I, just stopped, <laughs> I stopped growing. You know, I'm only 6'2". Yeah. Six, six only 6'2". Yeah. It's a full foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so literally my best friend, one of my best friends uh, wanted to go try out and play football, and I... I, I said, okay, you know, I'll mm-hmm. go with you. And mm-hmm. I played quarterback my first year. Whoa! Yeah. Was, Prodigy. Yeah. I was Did you playing. like it immediately? No. You just were good at it. I, yeah, not really. Like I was just, I was just athletic, you know. And like I tell uh-huh. people all the time, like I coach now, right? Uh-huh. And so I tell people all the time, like the only reason why I was good uh-huh. was because I was scared to get hit. Like so don't, so <laughs> it's don't, good motivation. Yeah. So don't touch, don't touch my body, man. <laughs> like you know what I mean. So I would just try yeah. to, I would try to avoid contact as much as possible. 
and it made me successful, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, mm-hmm. figured out how to have, uh, you know, move and, yeah. and, and do that thing. So for me, uh, so football was way cool. I, I started, so I, like I said, I played quarterback my junior year, and then all of a sudden, I, one of my receivers had gotten hurt, mm-hmm. and there was a game where the backup quarterback came in and uh, he threw, he threw the ball. They made me run a route through a ball. I caught it with one hand. And scored a touchdown. Wow, so like, that's pretty rad. You're a receiver, you know. <laughs> and so then I, you know, I went and I went back and forth my senior year. I would play quarterback sometimes and the receiver, and and lo and behold, the coach made a wrong turn getting off the freeway, and I finished my highlight tape the day before. It's a trip, man. And wow. uh, Yeah, and so then I end up at Idaho State. Wow, and, good for you. Um, I had a lot of like different offers to go other places, but like the, like either preferred walk on or half a scholarship. Uh-huh. Or, or whatever, and I was at that time, you know, I was pretty young. So when I first got here, I was seventeen. So I kind of had this attitude, like, you know, if you don't give me a full scholarship, I'm not coming. So, you know, and and so then I got here, and then that's when I, you know, really started to learn the game. I remember when I first got to the, you know, we have meetings, position mm-hmm. meetings, the dry, you know, like you see on TV, the dry erase board, yeah, and stuff. yeah. And the coach was like, okay, this is the play, go draw the play. So I uh-huh. drew just the receivers, right? Uh-huh. And he said, that's not the play, you know, where's the linemen and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, uh. <laughs> and he said, you can't draw a lineman? And I said, I, I don't I don't know how many there are, you know. I'm in college. Like, yeah, you know? you're like, this And everybody, is like, the, the record just stopped. Like, you know, the whole world looks at me. He's like, cute, there's 11 people on the field. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know, you know. And then, so noted. Yeah, you know, oh, okay. And, like, he literally, like, held, held my hand as I'm drawing. Like, okay, you draw a circle, circle, square for the center, whatever, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's like, well, I knew what I was doing, you know. And that was, yeah. like, a, obviously a learning lesson about, you know, team sports and understanding the concepts and, you know, understanding. And what people are doing and and then I mean luckily I caught on and, and I, I thrived a little bit so nice and life too right that applies to life too oh, and football's the best yeah. life yes for sure oh yeah okay so you played football then you said you got recruited into law enforcement to be a cop yeah right? so how did that go okay so after my senior year you know I had a couple of opportunities to continue playing um my last full goal was it was called the all-american football league it was mm-hmm. like I mean, it was legit. It was, and then the market crashed, and mm. the guy, I think his name was like Marcus Katz, was the guy, and he, all of his money was roped up in real estate. That's how he was making this happen. So when the market crashed, I wasn't able to. Uh, they weren't able to continue the league, and so it was, it was kind of hard. You know, it was like there was two situations where I, you know, my dream was to play professional sports just kind of crumbled yeah. with the air, just, and you have no control, you know. Yeah. And I was a homebody, so I didn't try the Canada thing, like. And, you know, there's some hindsight stuff that I would do different, you know, but I guess that's what I could pass on to my kids sure. and kids that I coach or whatever. Yeah. But but afterwards, I was kind of stuck, and I was actually managing uh, Outer Limits Fun Zone. Mm, yeah. And so uh, when I first applied there, it was right after school, and I said, you know, it says, why do you want to work Outer Limits? I said, because it was my idea, and when I make it to the NFL, I'm going to buy it. You know, that's what yeah. I wrote in my thing. You know? nice. And then I ended up, you know, this is kind of embarrassing because I'm still there, <laughs> right? You know? So anyway, I'm doing that, and I'm interacting with some of the guys, uh, uh, a sergeant at the time. He's now the chief, and... Uh, uh, another, I think he was a corporal at the time, but he's now a lieutenant. And I'm interacting with them because uh, they bring their kids in or mm. whatever. Just and they're like, "You'd be a cop." And I'm like, "Man, I don't be no cop." Like, are you serious? so what made them say that? I don't know. Huh? I really don't know. I huh. think just the idea that I was just good with people. Mm-hmm. And, 
team player and I think a lot of it came from like again my perspective you know my yeah. background because I can see it not to say that I can't say yeah. I can totally see it but interested right. to hear yeah, yeah what their that was basically it. they were just like you should yeah. try you know? yeah. and you know just like anything else if, I guess if you know people that you think you could work with and could do a good job at your place of work you want them hey why don't you for sure that, you know? yeah and so as that happened I went on a ride along tried it out and I said hi yeah maybe I give this a try so, and you're glad you did. Ten years. It's been a good ride. <laughs> Ten years. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah. Ten years later, yeah. Wow. So how was it the whole way through when you get into it? Did you feel any resistance, like internal resistance? Like, uh, I don't know if this is the yeah, right track you know, for me. No, well, I mean, I think this is kind of leads to why we're having this podcast. And we talk about internal resistance because it's just like, man, am I on the wrong side yeah. of the team? <laughs> yeah. You know, what am I doing, you know? I guess the if we talk about more history, so for me, when I first, you know, my interactions with police, some caused by my attitude, but some unwarranted were just really bad, you know? Like, to this day, I won't wear sunglasses at work, you know, because all the LAPD guys wore them oh, when I was growing up. And, yeah. And so, like, I attribute that to, like, kind of like an evil, you know? Yeah. And no disrespect, but sure. but growing up, that was like, that was kind of like the evil that I saw because they were just, they were mean and, and things that I interacted and especially coming from my family because I had an uncle that was a veteran that well, had some drug issues or whatever, but for the majority, you know, some cousins that are some gang members or whatever, but from where I was at, like the majority, from where the my core group of who I was with we were good people you know and and so you talk about things like my dad had like a 1985 or four Ford Ranger so back when cars were like metal right yeah. and I just remember him picking me up from school and uh, I'm sitting in the passenger seat and all of a sudden you know two police officers pull up and they it's kind of during the war on drugs time you know these dudes they pull him out the car and, and when I say pull him like yeah they pulled him out the car they didn't like step out the car or whatever they just yeah. pulled him out the car oh. Asked them if he had any dope on him, any drugs on him, and and I remember sitting there, and and in that sound of him getting slammed on the hood of his car, um, and him looking at me through the windshield like, hey, it's okay, just whatever, and he's no sir, yes sir, doing all that stuff, and I remember, um, I'll, I'll never forget the rah, 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 like the radio noise in their radio, and they're like patting him down and going through his pockets or whatever, and and. Uh, and my dad was calm because he knew he didn't have anything and it was good, but he's still nervous. So like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Are they going to put something on me? Like, yeah. you know, and I'm just looking at his eyes. He's looking at me. He's like, it's okay. You know, Malvin, it's okay. It's okay. We're all right. And, and then the guy like kind of shoves him and he was like, you lucky we have to go. And then left. They left, you know. Wow. And so like those kind of interactions, again, few and far between. But when they happened, they it was like. It, it weighed heavy on you, sure. you know? And so me thinking about joining that team yeah. <laughs> was pretty tough. And so uh, initially when I first started, I kind of had that, that thought process. And, you know, you go to the academy in Idaho, right? And, you know, there's some some smaller towns that, you know, they're just a little Art bit... Are evolved Yeah, they're, 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 a little na- they're a little naive, you know what yeah. I mean? They're a little naive and stuff. And yeah. some of it is just... I don't want to say ignorant because it sounds like insult, but some yeah. of it, some of it's just being naive. You just don't know. You, they you had know, no exposure. I'm, no exposure. Yeah. You know? And so it was like, man, this is what I signed up for. You know <laughs> what I mean? Why am I doing this? And and then I think what really was a saving grace is I had came back and started the training program. And, and one of the officers, was one of my really good friends today, asked me, he legit, this is all he asked me. He says, hey, it was like some game. It was either a football game that was important or basketball game, something. And he was just like, hey, are you going to watch the game this weekend? And I kind of, like, stopped. Like, wait, you watch 
football or basketball, whatever it was, you watch that. And it's like, he's like, yeah, it's a big game. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and to me, it was like, wait a minute, these guys, you know? I don't know what it was, but that moment, like, triggered, like, oh, you're a human, too. Yeah, you know, you're not just yeah. some white racist yeah, robot, yeah. you know what I mean? And so for me, it's been, that's been good. And then to interject and help bridge some of the gap between, you know, a lot of the students and athletes yeah. and stuff that come from cities that have the same feeling that I have and say, okay, look, here, like, this is the most interesting battle because here, you know, I, I pride us on kind of doing the right things and helping out. And so, you know, back at home, what's the code? You don't talk to the police. And so then here, the police are like, you're not going to talk to me, so you think I'm racist, so then they're mad. You think I'm racist. I'm really just trying to help. And then they're yeah. like, well, I don't talk to the police because you guys are racist. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's just like this gap that you got to bridge. And so yeah. it's been really cool to try to interject and, yeah. and help, help bridge that gap between, uh, you know, well, I get to touch mostly the athletes, but touching that, touching the athletes and, and bringing the police together, so it's been really good. Yeah, and that's a powerful position to be in, to be able to bridge that gap. I don't know about powerful, but it's helpful. It is, though. Don't you think? For sure. <laughs> I stand by that 100%. <laughs> okay, so you have been a cop for 10 years. Uh, what about any of your specific experiences being a cop? I know that you kind of touched on some of them, uh-huh. but do you have any experiences that have like stood out in your mind as like poignant or anything that's really moved you or anything that's really bummed you out? Anything like that? That's like deal, kind of... dealing with race or dealing with... Yeah. Um, I think for me... It's really hard. It's kind of, it's almost, it's laughable, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you start, like, you kind of question for a second, and, like, I have a couple, like, funny ones, right? I, yeah, pull, yeah. I pull this guy over, you start talking to people kind of right before you get to the window, you know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, hey, you know, I'm really big on, like, being normal, right? I'm not no robot. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. So usually my introduction is, what's up, dude? And, uh, <laughs> what's up, you know? Love that. Uh, you know, you got to kind of play by, you know, stereotyping, really, like, age, you know, gender, what what you what you can say, you know. So I was like, "What's up, man?" To this, you know, I pulled you over, and he turned around, and he was like, "Yeah, because I'm." Bl-. And he looked at me, you know what I mean? And he looked at me, and I was like, "I was like, nah, not this, not this time." You know, you just, you know, That's but, amazing. but you know, some stuff like that, or um. I made a joke. I made a joke like not wanting to work an area in town. I was like, oh man, I don't want to hear like a, a racist comment. You know what I'm saying? And one of my coworkers was like, man, and that, that, they won't say nothing like that. Like, that doesn't happen or whatever. I was like, okay. And we literally we went on a call and this dude's like in bombing me. And, oh like, man. And I looked at my partner. I'm like, <laughs> see, you know? And, yes. and so yeah, there's stuff that, that I've dealt with. The thing is though that I, I would say, it's almost flattering and as well as it's, it's kind of cool and it's eye-opening is you know you work with I work with a lot of guys that have lived here all their lives and a lot of them like you know have been like either raised properly or interacted properly going to college or whatever and they like they don't have that you know and they don't they don't see or feel that their town has that in them right and so and so like I'll be on a call and somebody you know <laughs> calls me a nigger or something you know yeah. and it's amazing to watch how bad mad they get Oh yeah, and I'm like calming them now. Like, hey, it's all right. Like yeah. I can, I can handle it. You know, uh, I remember, uh, you know, DUI. You got a, this long thing, and and now everything's digital. But they they were transitioning from a form. It's called an ALS form. Transitioning, so they hadn't made the audio yet. And so I had to read this thing to this drunk dude, right? And I'm reading it. He's just like, I don't give a fuck what you say. You know, blah blah blah. And it was like slowly, like I could just feel the presence of my coworkers around me. You know, as he's just you know, anything that you could say, you know, my, 
my grandfather owned your grandfather. Oh, or, you man. know, whatever. You okay. know what I mean? I mean, he just yeah. went as deep as he could and just trying to, yeah. like, break me. And, like, you know, and my coworkers like, I don't know how you, you know, I, I don't know how you did it. It's like, you know, what's it going to do for us yeah. if, I, if I lose my temper or yeah. whatever, you know? And I just made a joke. I was like, because he, he had refused to blow or, you know, whatever. And I said, and all that stuff is videotaped. And I said, well, I mean, if this goes to jury trial, good luck to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, he's made his own bed, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I think a lot of that, those kind of things have, it does two things. It reaffirms that it's here and it's still alive, but it also reaffirms that there are some good people that are like we don't stand for this like i'm glad that now that they have seen that it exists like you know we want to help and we want to fix yes. it yes do you think awareness is the key like that's the first step yeah just so being aware so like if you talk about like what's going on like right now with with everything and like politics like mm-hmm. right you know like we're in a, a super republican state you know mm-hmm. obama can do no right right trump can do no wrong totally and and so my facebook feed is the most entertaining thing right oh, man. i got a bunch of california like super liberals <laughs> and i got you know a bunch of idaho conservative republicans you know that range from lds to farmers mm-hmm. to you know just my news feed is america <laughs> legitimately like it's so it's all over the place and it was really interesting with this latest incident. I had a friend um, that was pretty like hard on like um, Kaepernick and, mm-hmm. and, and and stuff and and hard on Obama and just things like that. And he 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 texted me out of the blue and it's like, hey, we need to talk. And I said, oh, okay. Just yesterday, he came to my house and we sat down and talked for like two and a half so hours. So this is a friend that you're yeah, talking yeah. about it with, okay? For two yeah. and a half hours, wow. and really talked about. I guess the key word it was perspective. Yeah. You know, he's like, I've been born in Pocatello. I lived here all my life. You know, yeah. uh, um, I lived for a short time in California, but then I was, I was, I was back here all my life. This is what I've known, and so when I see these things, like I don't almost doesn't apply to me, so it doesn't almost seem real. And then, yeah. and until it was on tape and on video and all the stuff that's coming out, he was like, matter of fact, thing like his quote was, "I was so hard on Cap, and now I'm like, maybe I was wrong." You know. Good for him to be able and to I that acknowledge was so cool. that. Yeah, it was so wow. cool. And, I, and then we ended up having a conversation. And it wasn't just, and I was telling him, it wasn't just me. I mean, it's not just you that's, I mean, you get to learn from me. Mm-hmm. But I've learned from yeah, Idaho. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot from yes. Idaho. I mean, when I grew up, gun, guns were for cops and bad guys. No in between. No in between, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so, like, you know, and so when I hear about gun control and stuff and I'm living out here and, and I'm like, well, I understand what you're saying, but, like, there's some stuff that could change. Could, you know, it's hard to, I can't, if I was still in California in my ways, I'm like, yeah, take all those uh, ARs away. But now that I live here, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to do something, but I don't know if taking them all away is right. Yeah, you know, yeah, so anyway, yeah. I just think, uh, to me, I think all of this stuff is about perspective and understanding sure. that, like, you know, here is not the only way of living. There's a different yes. way, you know, like the complaints. Radical of like, concept. Right. Yes. Like the, you know, a lot of my friends are like, I'm not going to Costco again because I got to wear a mask. I'm like, well, look, there's Costco's all over the world. Like they made this decision, not because of Pocatello and Manning County. They only has whatever, what, 20 yes. cases or whatever it is. They made this, <laughs> Thank you. they made the decision because of what's going yes. on elsewhere. So I think those kind of things are, are the conversations that need to be had. And totally. If we, if we could do it. And, and it goes both ways, you know. I think when you talk about my Facebook feed, right, when you take somebody, like you take one of my friends from California who's an engineer, you know, and you take one of my friends from Idaho that's an engineer. And if I put them in a room together and I said, man, isn't it crazy how the steam flows through a 
you know, a copper pipe or whatever, they would have a field day of a conversation, right? <laughs> but then if I said, man, tell me what you think about Donald Trump, I'd have to break up a fight. Oh, yeah. You know? And yeah. it's just like, you guys would be, like, friends. Yeah. If you took something else out. Yes. You know, if you took that out. But but you throw, you just sprinkle that in. It's, just, it's amazing. It's yes. amazing the difference. And identifying the common threads that tie us all together mm-hmm. so you can connect on those and then work from there. And I love how you emphasize perspective, too, because that's key. And realizing that it's not just you and there is a whole other world out there with whole other with whole other demographics yeah. who are having their own experiences. Right. And realizing that and like tying in the Costco element to it, just because they decided they enforced that decision to require masks has nothing to do with just like this little bubble that we live in. Right. It's like you said, it's worldwide. And I know that a lot of people get hyped up about what's going on here and coronavirus and that opens up a whole political discussion. Right, right, right. But I am very apolitical because I have to be because yeah, of my yeah. job. Right. But I think it's very important to note that that's a very, I don't want to be judgmental with this, but it's a very arrogant way of looking at it because there's a whole other world mm-hmm. out there with everybody else right. dealing with coronavirus right, and COVID-19. Right. And so it's not about American politics. Right, exactly. And I think We're not the only people on earth. And that's one of the hardest things that, that you deal with, you know. And, and I think, you know, I'm like you. Like, I, I'm really neutral about mm-hmm. things. Like, you know, there's different thought processes. But I'm just more of like, a, I just try to be a good person. Yeah, you know? bottom I, line, I just, man. I just bottom person, line. Yeah. try to be a good person. And I have, like... A squad that I trust, mm-hmm. you know, and then I trust that squad, and you know, like my country is my address, and and people that I bring into that, and yeah. people around it, and I will do whatever I can to make sure that that area is better, or you know, or yeah. even if it's from afar, you know, and so. I know that there's like a lot, especially here, there's a lot of like, uh, fake news, the media, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes both ways. And I think for me, it's like, I go to the sources, man. My, yeah. My, my, uncle, my uncle is an ear, nose, and throat doctor in LA. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, do I need to be worried? You know what I mean? And he's Big like, on that. Yeah. Right? Do I need to be worried about this? What should we do? How should we? He tells me what his advice. And I'm like, okay. And that's what I go with. I mean, totally with I don't you care on if that. it's CNN or Fox. Like, exactly. Like, I, I call my uncle. What do you yeah. think? You're the doctor. What you're doing? Yes. With this up, so, yeah. Getting your news from legitimate sources mm-hmm. and not just regurgitating because right. you can put anything out there. And that goes for both sides, yes. liberal and conservative. Right, right, right. It goes for both sides. So it's exercising independent critical thinking, right. not just regurgitating what you've heard and then just spouting that off, actually digging through. Is that a reputable source? Right. Okay, cool. And then, like, I'm with you. Like, I go to the experts, the professionals, if mm. I can. If I have a line there, I'm like, okay, so tell me what's up with what, what this. I do? Exactly. Right. How can I help? Or yes. Mm-hmm. And being able to entertain, like, various thoughts and humbling yourself enough to hear out the other side. Right. Hopefully, there's not another side. It's right. not a dichotomy like that, but sometimes it is. But, right. like you said, learning from other people because you don't always have the facts straight and mm. just being open-minded enough to hear other people out and then tying it back to your football analogy because it really is a life lesson. You're not the only one on earth with your little bubble. Like there are other people in the mix that you have to be aware of. And it's just awareness, awareness and perspective. Like those are key because if you're aware of what's going on, then, then that's when change can start to happen and you can start to address some of the evils that are going on and just be aware. Just uh, listen, first step. Listening is huge. Oh my gosh. Listening is a huge thing. And, oh my gosh. You know, that thing, when it comes to the, all the law enforcement issues and what you're seeing, I mean, that is 
that is the root of it, you know, when it becomes either law enforcement listening to their community or community listening to their law enforcement. I think that there's got to be a, co- a common ground that, and you have to me. understand. Not, my job is weird, right? My job is tough. There's, the, you know, there's that whole unknown and we want to take control and all that kind of stuff. But then there's also like, I think one of the things that has made me have a successful career thus far is like, there's also like this, this human part of it. Like, you know what? As much as I really want to be in control of the situation, I can under- I, I don't get to see people on their good day. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't get to see people yeah. on a good day. So, like, you can come at me, like, all crooked and angry and frustrated and yelling and mad, but it's like, yeah. I'm not here because, you know, it's not like Outer Limits where they came and they were coming to celebrate a birthday party. That's such a good point. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm always there on somebody's bad day. You know, yeah. like, if you're talking to me, it's even it's a bad day, even when I pull you over. You know what I mean? And I'm, I hate tickets. I hope I'm in trouble, but I hate writing tickets. Yeah, right? yeah. I hate yeah. writing tickets, and and so and my plan is probably not to write a ticket, and I'm probably not going to write a ticket. But hey, you know what? You drive kind of fast, and school, you know, old school school's like. I gotta write a ticket yeah. for that. But you know what I mean? But things like that, like, hey, but what's the first thing they think? I'm gonna write them a ticket, they're gonna lose their money, like they're you know, especially right now, they're they're out of job, they're out of work or whatever. And it's like, well no, I'm really just trying to slow you down, stop it, whatever. And so it's just a lot of it to where our job my job in in itself the human aspect is like you have to remember to bring that as well as the professional aspect. Totally. And I think that is where the Mr. Lloyd situation hurt so bad because it's like did you just forget that you you're it's a human that you're that you're dealing with you know it's like a disconnect okay so so many things i want to say okay so i love that you had pointed out that when you interact with people on your job it's not because they're having a great day and when you add in emotions and stress and all of that into the mix i just think of how i react to stress and how people can react to stress right. and often do react to stress or emotions or high emotions or whatever is in the mix, you can act uncharacteristically and act unlike yourself right. and say things that you wouldn't normally say or do things that you wouldn't normally do or like act like a jerk or act hateful or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just stressed and that can mm-hmm. take over and when fear and stress take over, that can just sometimes turn people people that they aren't normally yeah i agree i agree with that to an extent but the problem is that's what you're supposed to when you you know when you go through like the pre-hiring process it took me a year i've never been in trouble you know what i mean i've never done it it took me a year for them to go through my background and stuff I feel you. part of the reason was my life right my yeah. life I, I lived in california we didn't really know our neighbors right so i gotta fill out my last 10 years of neighbors i, I don't dad what's, what's <laughs> my neighbor's last name yeah you know? yeah so anyway i think that's part of it but the other thing is like it's a it's a lot of it comes with the training you know, um, you have to understand your emotions and you understand that. Like one of my hot, like one of the things I really liked, there was a, I don't want to say professor, but somebody, an instructor at Post that was like, they were talking about relations between officers, basically giving us the strength to say, hey, you're doing this wrong or hey, you're out of line, like pull, pull, pull back the reins, right? And then they were talking about the in- introspective to look into ourselves to see what it is that that would trigger us to go away from our training or totally. away from our professionalism and like for me it's kids right like if if somebody is treating kids really 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 poorly or are treating kids really really poorly i think for me it's like i know that about myself and like i gotta be objective to it and understand that hey you're really mad right now because this kid is sleeping on a couch cushion covered in cat pee right but don't don't let that control you don't let like, that control yeah. you still do your investigation the right mm-hmm. way you know, handle it the right way. If they need to be arrested, arrest them. If the kid needs to be taken, take them. You know what I mean? But don't, don't just 
get overloaded with emotion and say, you know what, F it, you're going to jail right now. Like, how could you, you know what I mean? And understand, like, hey, I got to pull back. And same thing, I got to know, like, my coworkers. I have to know that. That's what's special about kind of working in a town like this, where it's not small, but it's not big. Like, yeah. I, I know it's 100 officers at most. And I know that if we go to a drug house and we take 20 grand out of that drug house, right? I know 20 grand is going into the pot. Yeah. You know, I've worked with maybe two people that I just didn't quite trust or had, like, bad feeling about. You know, and so that's special to me because I understand that. And I think a lot of it when you're talking about like the emotion and how you react and all that kind of stuff, I'm thankful for where I work because we are smaller so they can afford to train us. So I understand that, you know, I understand that stuff. I understand the high stress stuff, you know, and some of these bigger departments, they don't have the budget to train, to, to train these guys or they don't have the budget to maybe to do an extensive background check. So they don't, don't, don't know these. I say guys for the majority, but females too, you know. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. They don't know the majority of what they did in their background and things like that. And so so for me, I think some of the stuff that is happening, you can just see that it's A, a human disconnect, and B, like a, some training issue. Training issue, but I also think that that is a human responsibility too. I agree. Yeah. And you have to take ownership of your emotions and yeah. not let them control you. Yeah. And, you know, I've said on here before, it's about empathy and I love that you had that empathetic yeah. perspective where you're like I get that I am interacting with people when they're not at their best mm-hmm. and there's other shit in the mix right. but also you don't condone that behavior right because that behavior is not to be condoned you when you're acting that. like that no like you have to take responsibility and accountability for your actions right. and your reactions right. and it's like I get why people act the way that you do and you can psychologically really dig into it right. and root out the fear. You're right. like, that's fear, that's insecurity, that's why you're acting that way. If you right. really dig into any non-cool action, that's right. what you will find right. is fear. Right. I mean, there are some people that are just, they're just making bad decisions, right? But you got to figure out that, you know, at the end of the day, you got to know that maybe this time that you're interacting with them can help them. Yeah. Know? Well, and, uh, even like the bad decisions though, like mm-hmm. if you really dig into like why people why are maladjusted or why, yep, mm-hmm. or why they're on a bad track or why they're in that headspace that they are currently, like you can trace it back to something, something. yep, yeah. some sort of fear. And so, yeah, like you said, like even if you don't get on the job training, mm-hmm. like still as humans, I think we need to take ownership of ourselves right. and step up for ourselves and for others because it bleeds onto others. Right. And it's not cool when your shit is bleeding onto other people. Right. And I think like you got to take care of your own house and then look outwards. And you, you got to let a lot of people into your house. Yeah, good point. So like, you know, when you talk about being empathetic about it, you know, a lot of the stuff is my opinion and my this is my perspective, mm-hmm. but you know you get a lot of you know white officers mm-hmm. right that don't live in the city that they're policing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they go home to a suburb where there's not many African Americans yeah. there. So and then they may or may not not all right, but they may or may not have a lot of friends that are African American. And so like now all of a sudden your perspective of what an African American is is what you're dealing with. They say that in our job we deal with ten percent of the population 90% of the time and so when you deal with that so now you you go home to your white family your white friends you know yeah. maybe you gotta sprinkle a couple of like minority friends in there but they all maybe have the same kind of thought process or whatever and then you go back and you know you're dealing with some you know a young a young african-american guy that is at a loss and like the only thing that he had for protection was a gang and, and you know exactly. he, couldn't, he couldn't make money so he started selling drugs or whatever it is that you're dealing with but you don't under you don't understand it because you didn't live it you don't know it you don't 
you don't interact with it. You haven't seen a, a success story out of it. You just like I've arrested this guy twelve times and he's still doing the same thing. You know, you don't you, you don't really see and it's so big, right? A lot of these places. I mean, it's special to me. I mean, I, just the other day I had a guy come up to me and said, "Hey, do you remember me?" And I don't. I don't remember him. You know, he's like, "Oh, you arrested me. I just got back from prison. Blah blah. I'm doing good. I got this job. You know, he works with somebody that I know. He uh -huh. started to tell me all this stuff, and he was like, you know, hey, you're really good to me. Like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I'm happy for you. You know, I'm happy for you. Good luck. You need anything? Let me know. You know. And so, but there are so many people. It's so big, and they're just dealing with so many stuff. Half the time, like, I know I got friends that work in like L.A. and like they'll have a critical incident, a shooting, or whatever, and they're standing next to an officer they've never even met yet. You know what I mean? And so, like, for them, um, it's just a different different dynamic. And so you think about that stuff, and then that's when you start seeing these kind of things happening because you're so disconnected from yes. the community that you're serving, yes. you know? Yeah. And so I believe that, well, A, you know, I wish more people in the community would apply. I understand why, I, you know, I can understand why they don't because they're like me. I'm like, be a cop, man. Forget that, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? But at the same time, it'd be, it'd be really nice if we were, if there was more African-Americans coming out from Minneapolis or L.A. or whatever to, to apply for these jobs and, and try to come back with a good perspective to help to help you know? yes and i love how earlier too and this ties into what you had just said humanizing interactions and humanizing all of this and really emphasizing that human element like we are all human so like when you approach somebody that you pulled over like you yeah. make a point i'm not trying to be the, yeah a robot the license and registration <laughs> and blah, you know, that's, yeah. just, that's not my that'll yeah. never be my style it won't be my style yeah. in fact i got a complaint when i was telling you, when I was telling you <laughs> when i was telling you try to judge it or whatever i, I don't know this is probably i don't know 40 45 year age male white male and uh you know i said what's up dude and he called my boss and i was like he was very unprofessional and stuff which you know i understand like i, I took it up to the chin and i told my boss sorry but you know like but at the same time it's like i just don't want to be that robot yeah. you know i want to interact yes. with people how i wish the police officer interacted yeah. with me you know and if I, yeah. if I could approach you if i could approach you like hey we're just having this conversation and you know and do my job still and be safe and ho hopefully help you feel safe or whatever i went i mean i could take one complaint out of oh you know, totally thousands of stops or whatever so i was just gonna say that if that's your truth if that's what feels authentic to you you're gonna get those one-offs like you're never gonna be universal accepted right. no matter what no it matter is what you do, right. no matter what you do right. there are always going to be people who who protest whatever right. you do right. you're like not into that so accepting that and being cool with that but then still living your life right. as long as it's not hurting anybody but right. yeah just live your life awareness again and perspective and just realizing that there are people with lives behind whatever capacity they're acting in so whether it's a policeman whether it's somebody that they're pulling over whatever it is yeah. and just having that awareness right. and even if you're not living in that space like if you're living in the suburbs and then like policing in mm -hmm. the city or whatever just at least caring enough to have awareness and just to care that like these are actually human beings and with rich lives and thoughts and all of that and and yeah. everybody has a story and a reason why they do what they do and they have insecurities and fears and hurts and wounds and traumas right. and all of that and people that they love and loves and passions and all of that like all of that is going on there is always like a story behind every face that you see That's and right. just realizing that and you have bozos who act like total clowns and who do dangerous evil things mm -hmm. yes 
but again, like you can empathize with why still, they do what they do. There's still fathers, there's still, yeah. there's still sons, there's still... Yeah, you can empathize, but not condone, right. but at least like caring enough, and that's what's going to bridge that gap and connect us. And I think that that's really how true change happens. I mean, there's a lot to it, right. more to it than that, but... I mean, I think the first step is just having that awareness and perspective. Yeah, the only way you could, I think the only way that you could really have it is conversations like this. You know what I mean? I mean, if you could sit down and have conversations, sometimes, sometimes these conversations are like, sometimes the conversations are a podcast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the conversation, like mine the other day was a two and a half hour conversation on a Saturday afternoon. And, but sometimes these conversations are after this call, the call is over. Yeah. As a police officer, right? Like I just arrested you, you know? For, yeah. I mean, I just arrested you for having meth or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, man, like, how'd you get into this meth? Like, why why, why did you do meth, you know? As a matter of fact, I had this dude, he's, he's probably 21, you know? He runs from us. There's not a time when we don't arrest him, there's not meth on him, or yeah. this stuff, something's going down, you know? And so finally, like, I mean, he's in the back of my car, and, and I turn my radio down, and, and he's all right, this not yelling, not frustrated. I was like, hey. Why, I love so, that you asked this. You're so yes, young. Like, how, yes, why yes. do you do this? Like, yeah. why do you do this? You know? And all of a sudden, I'll say no, well, I get no <laughs> shit. This dude says, like, I was 14, I believe. I was 14 and my uncle gave it to me. Oh, my gosh. 14. Uh, 14, my uncle gave it to me. You know what I mean? And ever since then, and, you know, they say the commercial, right? Not even once, right? 14. He said, 14, my uncle gave it to me or whatever. And it's like, it's just an amazing situation where you start listening to them and you're like, no wonder you're... Oh, yeah, totally. No wonder that this is your life. This is what you've seen. This is what you've lived since you were 14. It's seven years of this. Yeah. You know? Um, And so some of that... and, And he's one of those people that you're frustrated with. You're chasing him. He's jumping fences, you know? Like... You know, he gets in a car chase. Like, this is like that dude. And finally, like, one day I got talked to him. He's like, yeah, man, my, my uncle gave it to me at 14 and this and this and this. I mean, our our our, our drive to the, to the jail was, you know, 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And listening to him discuss his life of his background of it for 15 minutes was like, dude, like, you know, you really need some help, and yeah. you don't have to go down this path. And yeah. you know, as much as I can say that and do that, you know, he he gets out again, or he does whatever, and gets ropes right back up to the same stuff. I can't really defend it, but like, at least I understand a little bit of yes. why he is. You know what I mean? Yes. Why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, and it's not about changing the world. I mean, collectively, I'm we total to. optimist. That's yes, what we're doing. We want, exactly. Listen to this podcast. Everybody be nice. <laughs> Everybody yes. be nice. <laughs> totally. But like incrementally, like, and that's, I had this conversation with my sister yesterday about, she's like, I just feel so overwhelmed and I just don't even know where to start. And I feel like uncomfortable. Like I don't want to offend. And I feel like I even start having these conversations. Oh, yeah. I'm going to offend. And so, I mean, there's so much to say. So first of all, I'm like, well, that's, you don't need to save the world. You just have to like engage mm-hmm. and right. care. Right. And I think that's just the first step is just showing up to the conversation and B as far as the comfort people have had a lot of shit that has been thrown at them through hundreds of years right the least we can do is be uncomfortable in a conversation exactly and listen and listen and listen like, and just don't think that like you know kneeling in the kneeling in the national anthem is like spit in your in your way of life you know what I mean like I didn't I was totally. never I was never patriotic mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. until I became a police officer Police officer, I'm working with a bunch of veterans, telling me their stories about you know going to Iraq or or whatever. Uh, a lot of guys are in the National Guard. They're them going away and training for a weekend. 
uh, you know, listening to their stories, understanding how much they take pride in the flag and how much they take pride in whatever. And, and you know, my family, we, we never conversated that, that much about background. We're, we're really close, but like background was really hard. Like I try yeah. to dig into my, my grandfather's history, but I, I find out, you know, he's, He's a he's a, a Korean War vet. Mm. You know they they end up and they do a full honor guard service at his funeral, and I'm like, whoa, you know. So the flags draped over his, his casket, yeah. and it was like, oh, this is deep, you know. Yeah. And so he, even for me, so when Kaepernick was kneeling and stuff, I was like, I was like, oh man, don't do that, because like that's my my grandfather and stuff. And then you start really thinking about it, and it's like, wait, you know, he's just trying to just bring awareness to yeah. a situation, but it got convoluted with disrespect, and so. For, it's just those things but then you go back like the conversation i had with my buddy it was like but his perspective because now my buddy was like was i too hard for him because now his perspective is he got to see a video of a man murdered in a sense uh left to die and uh and now he's like and the person that people that were responsible at that time to care for this guy to help him you know regardless if he's a suspect or not were police officers you know and so for for them to actually now see that, it's like, wait a minute. That was one of his first lines to me in this conversation was... Good for him. Yeah, he was like, was I too hard on Kaepernick? Wow. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. well, hey, sit down, buddy. Let's talk. You know I what I mean? I love that he was so open to right. admitting like, okay, well, maybe I was too quick to judge or maybe right. I judged erroneously completely. Right. Conservative, love, LDS, white, yes. dude, older than me. Good you know for him. I mean? And, and willing to come, willing to reach out to me and wow. say, let's have a conversation. I want to oh, talk. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine if it was a Republican politician? Oh, man. Or a Democratic politician to come and say, hey, listen, like, we really need to talk. Yes. Like, we really need to talk. What, what is it that you, what is your goal? What is our goal? Yeah. And like, let's, let's figure this out. Exactly. You know? And, like, I was, and correct me on any of this if yeah. I'm ever um, wrong because I want to hear your perspective, but it's also about transcending, and like this guy did. Um, transcending your ego suspending your feelings and your ego and all right. of that like just truly like opening up your mind right. and okay i want to hear what you have to say i want to hear your perspective and it's not about defending yourself or defending how you've acted or defending your feelings or like right. getting your feelings hurt because inevitably like we said like people are going to come at you and disagree with what you're saying right. or how you're living your life right. anyways like if you're having a tough conversation about race or whatever the right. hot topic is it's a hot topic it is. And sometimes there are landmines in there. Right. And it's it's tough. And especially if somebody is venting like frustrations, even if it's not anything that you have personally done, you have to understand it's not about you. And if we're going to get anywhere, it's not about tangling our ego up in it. It's right. about listening with an open mind and hearing what they have to say and hearing them out and then trying to like find that common ground and how you can connect. And yeah, I'm so impressed like with your friend because that's the ideal. People would be like, hey, I yeah. want to hear. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like one of those hardest things like on Facebook, right? You know, somebody posts something like, you know, what, like million dollar cry baby athlete. Yeah. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you actors don't say these things. It's like, wait a minute. Like, they're Americans first. Yeah. You know, they just so happen to be able to, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, is it annoying for me sometimes to hear some political stuff? Even if they say something that I agree with, yeah, of course, man. I'm just trying to watch the game or I'm just yeah. trying to whatever, like, to get away from them. But at the same time, it's like, but they're, they are Americans. Yes. Like, just as much as you are a, an American, we are. And it's just crazy because, you know, I always tell, tell, make a joke, like, 
it takes me about 12 hours to drive back home, right? Because usually I drive because it's cheaper with the kids and we got to take a crib or whatever. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. And so uh, I'm like, it's crazy that you drive 12 hours and you're in a different country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like my, my, friends, so my friends come up here and they're just like, you know, I, I hung out with nerds in high school. You know, they're doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, chiropractors, physical therapists, you name it. You know, they come out here and they're just like, dude, your house is huge. Like, yeah. and you paid how much? And like, you know what I mean? They just... You know, yeah. that, you know, and to them, it's just a different world. And yeah. so I, I think that when you love all of that stuff, all of this stuff together, this is why we're in the situation we are, because there's different countries in our country. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's different so perspectives. Divisive. There's uh-huh. so many different perspectives in our country, you know, even even if it was even within the same race, there are different perspectives. You know, there's. You know, there's some people that are super religious. There's some people that aren't religious. There's some people that, you know, that value education. There's some people that, like, I just want to, I want to get to work and work. There's some people, you know, it, it, it's, there's some people don't bother me. You know, don't, t- don't touch anything that I got. And there's some people like you and I that want to talk to everybody. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. And I think that there's this, it's this, but at the end of the day, we're all human. And I think yeah. that, and that's the part where, and you have to understand that not everybody thinks like you. Totally. And it's important, like you said, like you have to understand like the common thread, like we're all humans, mm-hmm. but then humanize it in the way that you understand that there are variations within races, within whatever sector you're looking at. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're humans and we vary person to person to person. Right. So it really defies logic to even think of just like all whites is just the same. Right. All blacks is the same. Right. All Asians is the same. Yeah. I mean, God, just think in your own family, like how many Everybody, variations there are. Yeah. yeah. Personalities, perspectives, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. And so just realizing that and so not generalizing and lumping people together and just understanding that if you really dig in and that's why I started this podcast is because have you ever heard of Humans of New York? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes love yes, it. Yes, yeah. I love the concept behind you get that. The backstory. Yes. Wow. And like people that you see on a park bench you don't that know. has the craziest story that you're like, right. I never would have known. Right, or right. some rocket scientist that does not yeah, look like a rocket not, scientist. Yeah. Well they say like some of the richest people you'll never know they're rich. Yeah. yeah. You know and they're driving I mean? like 80s <laughs> Toyotas or whatever right. and they're like right. rolling right. in the money. Yeah. yeah. You just, you really never know, and it's so cliche, and we've said it so much, but have we applied that, like, lived that, and, like, really understood that you just really... Yeah, I really... think so. I think that, you know, there's so much, you know, there's so much that plays. Like, you know, people, when they talk about, like, uh, systemic racism and stuff, like, I think that that stuff is real. Like, it is a real thing. I mean, it's a real, it's a real concept. It's a real, oh, it's yeah. a real, you know, and then I think a lot, a lot of it is also socioeconomic things, mm-hmm. you know? We're quick to point down, like, why are these people on welfare? Yeah. You know what I mean? And instead of, like, well, why, why does Walmart's, CEO got to make a hundred million dollars or a hundred a billion whatever it is you know and it's like if they just made 99 billion would that help their employees a little bit you know could that one billion go to their employees but at the same time he's like oh I don't want to take away from the creator of Amazon's great yeah. idea like he, he earned that like that right. he changed the world Facebook right. changed the world maybe it's bad for right. us but it changed the world it, it connected me with my friends I get to see I mean when you talk about applying like what we believe and how like being fair and not and not uh I guess not judging and stuff. It, totally, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm, it's tough to do, and it's and it's tough to see because our world is really not designed that way. Right, know? and yeah, good point. Like entertaining, like both, like you can understand, like the capitalist, like yeah, high five, man, like. Jeff Bezos, you did what you did. Great, great idea. It was a great idea, and you're profiting from that. And yeah, like I applaud like the idea and what went into that. I get it. And then you can understand like the downside of that Uh and 
how it's that? not so awesome yeah. like what's happening on the other end but yeah like you can juggle those two views mm -hmm. and I love that you brought up like the socioeconomic thing because that reminds me of that meth user that you mm -hmm. had talked about and this is like getting deep into it but like with any disenfranchised population right. so if you have Native Americans if you have blacks if you, whatever mm -hmm. so it's understanding why they are on the track that they're on and again like you understand okay well you got to own your life at some point you can't right, be the right. victim you can't be the victim that, that's that's but, the, that's, the, that's the big line yes. out here, right? you can't, can't, be, you can't be the victim the victim can't you just get I, over I, it? I came i came from nothing too and it's like matter of fact this is part of that conversation i had with uh, my buddy here i told him i said listen like you're right you know my dad worked his butt off we were on welfare i didn't realize i was on welfare because welfare was normal right foods at that time it was food stamps and so that was normal I went. I got to high school or junior high, and we're learning in Orange County, and we're learning about the welfare system. And they talk about food stamps, and all of a sudden, I'm slumping in my seat, like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Like, I, I come home, like, "We were on welfare." He's like, "Well, yeah, but I was, you know, I'm, I'm in school, like, blah blah. We were working on it, but and then now we're not. We're in the suburbs, you know. And so I think we we're like kind of a testimony of what could happen and how and how it was used properly. Exactly, you know? that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Right. And so, but then at the same time, you, I'm talking to my friend, and he's saying, you talk about like the way it's laid out um, about you know people like well affirmative action in inner city stuff, and why are they, why are you getting handouts or whatever you want to call it? And you know I'm in I'm in high school and I'm reading The Great Gatsby and To Kill a Mockingbird and all of the stuff that's gonna be on the SAT, right? My cousin in LA is not reading those things, but he's got to take the same SAT because it's not part of his. It's not his part of his curriculum. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think some of that stuff has changed. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking twenty years ago, whatever. You know, but some of that stuff is. is I think a lot of it hasn't changed though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there's still stuff that hasn't. That stuff has not changed. So when you say, you know, well, this dude had a lower grade point average, but he got in based on this. Well, you know what? He, he also didn't have as good as teachers as you do. <laughs> totally. You know? I, I shouldn't say good as teachers. A, a good as curriculum as you do. And resources, too, that yeah. the teachers have. Yeah. The, yeah. Some of the resources or what they're dealing with. Or, and, you know, some of the hurdles that he was jumping over, you know, he he was going around the corner. He walked an extra five blocks around the school just to avoid an uh, area where there's a bunch of gang members. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, they, there's hurdles that they're jumping that you didn't have to do. Exactly. You know? And I just, I did a follow-up to, or lead-up to this podcast. That's exactly it, though. Like, there are so many hurdles that people have to jump over that many other people don't. Right. And it's recognizing that. It doesn't necessarily diminish others' accomplishments. Accomplishments, no. It doesn't diminish their challenges. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you may have had a hard life, but certain things didn't make it hard. Right. And if we go back even further, so slavery. Right. So wasn't awesome, and we really laid the trajectory for what it is. Right. And so we bring over Africans to this country, uh -huh. we enslave them, and right. then when they get set free, yeah. then... <sighs> It's there, a battle. It's a battle yeah. in so many ways. And we're, and, still, like, and we're still feeling effects. Like that's one, exactly. of the, that's one of those posts that you see all the time, right? Well, I wasn't alive during anything. Why are you guys mad at me? Well, I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. And guess what? Like, I remember, I remember when Obama first came president. And my friends were just like, on me. We got to vote. We got to make change. We're going to make history. Blah, blah, And in my head, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, I... I Nothing in this world has stopped me from saying I could be president. Like, I, I felt that way. And uh, kudos to my parents and my grandparents. Yes, right? like, yes, like, yes. Nothing in this world said stop me from me being president. So yes. I, I, although it was historic, to me it was like, it's cool. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like something that I really had to go out there and make that make that change yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 
But at the same time, the inauguration is one of the first times I ever seen my grandfather cry. Wow. Right? And so you see my grandfather cry because in his life, and we're talking about my grandfather, not my great grandfather, my grandfather. So in his life, he never thought he would see somebody that looked like him be the ruler of the free world. Right? Isn't that wild? He never, he never thought that. And so, and so for me, I'm like, whatever, you know, because you guys have taught me you could go to Orange County, you could go to Idaho, you could go wherever, you'd be a good person and work your butt off and you'll figure it out. That will carry out. you, yeah. It'll carry you. And, but for him, it was like, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm still black. You know what I mean? And now it's kind of a revelation, like, you know, that, that, that happened. And so there are stuff that is, is lingering. It's not far, it's not far removed. My dad was, oh, no. my dad was, my dad, my father, not my grandfather, my father, my kid's grandfather was bused to a school to segregate, to uh, desegregate. You know what I mean? He was bused to a school. So you, That's recent history. That, that's re- it's, it's recent. So it's, it's real. As much as we, as much as we want to say we're so far removed, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I mean, I'm married to a Caucasian, yeah, you know, right? Yeah. I'm not mad at it. But the idea of, um, the idea that don't be mad at me because it's then it didn't happen. You're right, it didn't happen, but there are just still effects. There are still effects. There, there will always there will always be effects for. There'll be effects for a, a long time. Yeah. Well, and hopefully my kids. There's no effects, but you know you, you yeah, never know, right? But that's the thing. Like even so, even with that meth user, so his and whatever track that his uncle was on right. that caused him to use and to give it to his. Right. That doesn't just come out of nowhere. Right. And so Native Americans, um, African Americans, like all of them. So right. we um, really screwed over the Native Americans. We come, we steal their land, and mm. then we subject them to so many horrific things. Right. And so that doesn't just happen in a vacuum. Right. That lingers. So mm. it generates substance abuse, mental health issues, right. all of that. And that starts vicious cycles that are carried on generation to generation. Like that is trauma that is carried on and it manifests in so many right. different ways. And in, 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 it, in a sense, it breathed, It could breed hate from both sides. Oh, totally. You and know? you see that. And so yeah. like the stories, you know, the stories that some people get from their grandparents, you know, like, oh, I was spit on or we had to go to our separate bathrooms or whatever, you know, and that gets passed on. And it's like the white man did that to me or did it to my grandpa. That gets shared to their dad. Their dad shares it, you know, with them. And it's like, and it, it continues, you know. I mean, that's one of the things, like, I, it's crazy. So, um, Holly's asking me, my wife's asking me about my the history of my family, you mm-hmm. know, when we're talking. And I, I know some of it, but, like, you know, it's funny. You look at our family tree, and, and there's all nicknames. Like, what's their real name, you know? Because yeah. that's just how we know each other. Oh, you know? uh-huh, yeah. And so we're kind of going through some stuff. And finally, I was like, you know what? We need to really, like, dig into Papa's history mm-hmm. because he, he's getting older, almost 100, yeah, almost yeah, 90, yeah. you know what I mean? Let's dig into it. So I borrowed my, you know, I borrowed my recorder from work, my little digital recorder. I put it down. Holly's got a notebook. Smart. I've been wanting she's, to do this. She's ready, right? She's uh. ready. Yeah, it was smart until we set him down and he just starts going through his stuff. And he basically said, you know, he's from a, a small town in South Texas in the 40s, 50s, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're like, oh man, this is going to be good. This is going to get good. And, uh, He's like, oh yeah, it was, it was fun, quiet. I came to, came to, uh, I met your grandmother. We moved out to LA, like, whatever. And so I was like, okay. So well, Papa, tell us about, you know, like race relations. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he says, well, uh, they had their beaches, we had our beaches. I found God out of everybody. I'm like, okay, Papa, like for real, like you have any stories or whatever. He's like, nah. Like he would not. Wow. He would, he would not even 
dive into it at all. Like he wouldn't even talk about it, wouldn't discuss it, wouldn't whatever. You know, like he didn't he didn't blink one time at it, wouldn't even talk about it. So like so for me, I come come moving on. My dad my dad like I said, he was uh he was bused to a mostly white school for a little a little bit. He never he's never shared any stories with me, you know. We talked about it earlier how his interactions with any like negative race things, he was just like let it roll off your back. And so for me, like I didn't I don't have, I don't harvest those emotions. I never harvest them. I was just I you know, do I understand and acknowledge that there is some unfairness and stuff like that? Of course, because I lived it, I've seen it, I've I've been through it. But but as far as like how I feel, you know, it's not there. But yeah. just because of, it's not pa- it wasn't passed on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Thank you for sharing your perspective. And I just think of all the, like you had said, like there's so much resentment and hate on both sides. And I've talked with friends who haven't had your experience where it hasn't been passed on Mm -hmm. because you see a lot in like Native Americans, particularly in this area. area, And I've had friends express frustration with them and they're like, they get money. Can we? Can they not just move on? Right, right. Let's right. just move on. And right. I'm like, okay, so you can go deep in. It. There's yeah. so much that goes into that. And yes, they got money, but we never really acknowledged what we did to them, mm-hmm. and that really didn't generate any healing. Like, right. there's a lot of unhealed aspects right. to that in our whole world. Yes, yeah. in so many or different countries. You know? Yes, I mean, totally. You talk about our city of Pocatello, and you know the. Uh, Fort Hall Reservation, and I mean, even, I mean, you're just talking about what a population of a, maybe a, maybe ninety, you know, maybe a t- total. I mean, and, and now you're discussing, you know, I don't even know what Minneapolis population is, but this is there's just the thread of our of our cultures. They're just they're so intertwined, but then they 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 don't go well together. Yeah, you know? good way to put it. You know, they're, yeah, you know, it's like a I don't know a yellow and and pink. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like it's just so opposite. Yes. Like you're just trying to, you're trying yes. to figure, you're trying to figure out. But like every now and then, sometimes those threads they go together smooth. Yeah, uh, and but sometimes there's just some friction and yeah, and it's an iceberg, right? That's one of the trainings yeah. that we went to. We had a cultural sensitivity training at work, and I think this was like the best explanation. Um, was that you know what we get to see when we interact with people is the tip of the iceberg, yeah. but underneath it is the majority of the ice. Yeah, you know? for sure. And so, like, you know, I inter- I interact with some dude that is saying racist comments to me. Um, he may not feel that way. He may just be frustrated, but, but who knows what his his iceberg was. Like, yes, you know, exactly. Like, like the stories, yes. Like, was he, was he taught this? Or yeah. Was it, was it because he, you know, he went, <laughs> he went on an LDS mission in an all-black community and they, they beat up, beat them up, or or you know, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like, like, is there some other stuff that where that there's other stuff that that comes along with Always. your perspective? Always. I think that's like I think that's the moral of our podcast. Yes. Of your podcast. Yeah, like, no, ours. Here, yeah. Um, is that that it's just a perspective of things that that we have that we have to understand, and that you have to understand the perspective of both sides. And right now, yes. and right now, I think inner city youth, especially African Americans perspective is is wanting to be heard and there and everybody's hurting and, and yeah. it's time to it's time to to listen and, 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 and make changes to make everybody feel better for sure and like you said listening and understanding that there's more to it than that and 
people have reasons for why they are the way that they are. And like I said, like you can trace it back if you go to the very, very, very core. Yeah. Xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Xenophobia is about fear. It's about fear of like abundance. There's not going to be enough to go around. That's like, you know, why Hitler was so effective back right. in World War II because there's not enough to go around. Right. And if you vilify and you're afraid of the unknown and that's like at the heart of xenophobia. Yeah. And like people act the way that they do because they're scared at their core they're scared and if you i mean there's so many layers to dig through before you get to that but understanding that people are just trying to do to live and to survive and to do right by them and sometimes that manifests in really ugly ugly ways and a lot of that like we said like a lot of that resentment lingers from a lot of those ugly actions and especially if those ugly actions continue and aren't truly acknowledged not acknowledged and not fixed you know yeah, and especially if they're not acknowledged, but, and then even if they're acknowledged and not fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you just think of if anything is done, you, if anybody has done you wrong. Yeah, you want justice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like you carry that baggage. Everybody has emotional baggage that they've carried, like even if they have had wonderful lives. Like right. there's still shit that you just pick up along the way, right. you know, and ideally you're dealing with that shit and you're not letting it bleed over onto others. This right. is like tying together all that we had talked about, right. but... You're owning yourself and your emotions and not letting them control you, but mm-hmm. sometimes they do. And so you just understand, like, why that resentment would linger. Yeah. And, like, in certain demographics, you understand, like, like certain situations that are, like, stereotypical for them. They're there for a reason, and yeah. that's because a lot of, like, the injustices that were done to them along the way yes. that has created like certain vicious cycles or certain situations and it is in no way a testament to their intelligence their capability or character or aptitude or anything like that so it's empathizing with that and understanding that and then yeah just like god just listening and understanding people yes it's kind of like the universal right that what we're talking about just listen it's the type that's the title of this (laughs) um okay well i think that's how has it been? I, I know that you've already like talked exhaustively about like your experience here in Pocatello, right. but like with Holly, your wife, have you had any backlash from that? Like you know, it's funny. Okay? Like most of it has been okay. Uh, there was you know we get looks right, I mean, especially early on we got looks like what's going on. Um, but like I really bless her family was open arms good, and good. no issues. Uh, my family was a little bit resistive. Uh, certain parts of my family were resistive, but uh, it, it, we can go into a whole nother podcast of that. I mean, but just a short and sweet there is a underlying thing of what beauty is you know yeah, you know yeah. blonde hair blue eyes is like that's that's the beauty like you know you know that's the beauty thing convention yeah, the, yeah, you know, those yeah. kind of things and yeah. so uh, that's a whole nother podcast but, um, but <laughs> oh man yeah so so for for me you know i had, I had a conversation with a couple of cousins and they're just like you know what why like why why you didn't white girl I'm like I, i'm in idaho like i'm in idaho do you want me just to be lonely? You're like, yeah. Yeah. What do you want me yeah. to? What do you want me to do? You know, I mean, it's that's just what that's that's what it is. That's what's around. I mean, it, I like everybody. I don't. I don't care if I'm attracted to you. Yeah. I'm attracted to you. But the problem is, this is where I was at, and this is kind of how it landed. And so, so you know, but you know, once they meet her and they interact, and that uncomfortableness is over, then it's been it's been fine. You okay. know, you know, it's been good. I mean, there's obviously like when things like this are going on in our country, it's it's tough because you know, you know. If a cousin or a friend or something's like these white people, and then I was like, well, not all white people, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so uh, that's been, uh, um, I guess, kind of not—I don't even say a hurdle, but it's just to me, it's it's just a cool little struggle that you get to go through together, yeah, and, and yeah, you yeah. just try to navigate it. Um, I think locally, like some of the things that 
has been, I guess one of the tougher things is my, my, my two sons are really light skinned and my daughter is a little darker. And so uh, some lady asked Holly like, oh, who are your two babies' dads, you know? And I'm like, and so Holly was like, well, my husband is the father of all of these oh, kids. Oh, you, know? yes. you know, and like, yes. like I remember when we, early on when we first had Larry, um, Holly's kind of the athletic type, like, you know, whatever, just kind of low key. And so like, she wouldn't wear a wedding, wedding ring a lot. She's like, I'm going to the store. I'm like, hey, put your ring on, you know? And she's like, why are you always worried about my ring? I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Like you cheating on no, me or yeah. anything like that. I was yeah. like, I just, you know, I just don't want you to, I just don't want people to look at you and think of some stereotype of, oh, there's another one of those white girls got knocked up by some football player or whatever, and he's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. You got your ring on, like, they see the ring is on, and, you know, culturally here, rings are something that you look at. I learned that oh, real yeah. quick. Because okay. these girls in college yeah. are married at 19. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you ask a girl out, and she's like, like, I didn't even know what the ring finger, which one what the ring finger was, you know? So anyway, uh, I... That's uh, the truth. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, for me, I'm like, yeah, throw your ring on because, you know, then it doesn't look like, you know, I, I selfishly, it's like, I don't want you to think, want people to think, like, I, I just look like I'm not a dad or yeah. I'm not, really not, you know, yeah. that's my daughter and I, you know, I love her. Sure. So, so, those kind of things are probably the only real, real, real struggles, you know, for, you know, for, for the most part, it's, it's been a good thing. Good. Makes me happy to hear. Yeah. Good. Um, what about blowback from any of your, like, friends or people that you know about being, Oh man, you know, there's some friends that, you know, I've I've probably have lost because of it for the most part, even the friends that maybe have been involved in illegal activity or whatever, they like respected me like they and they're thankful that I am. They're like, you know, like I'm thankful that somebody like you is a police officer. That's cool. You know, because now that and it's been cool for me to kind of bridge that gap. Now, it is super frustrating because it's just like, man, you know, one of my text messages when this stuff first came out of Minneapolis was like, man, look at what look at what are your look at what one of your co-workers did. And I'm like, I don't even know. Like, there like, they're is not no my, connection. They're, they're not my co-workers, you know, but, you know, we all wear the uniform. It's just, it's just like sports again, right? Yeah. You know, you wear, all athletes are the same. You know, you, you wear a uniform, I wear that uniform. And so we represent the same thing. And so for them, it's kind of, but it's also good that then when they say that, I'm like, you know, yeah, it was a dumbass move. You know, as me saying that, you know, coming back, it's almost like a validation of, like, you know, there's other officers. You know, and just like... Exactly. Well, like we said, like, don't make universal blanket assumptions right. about, like, a race or a... Profession. Profession. Right? Yeah. And so, like, you know, on my Facebook, I, you know, I, I made a short little statement about my feelings on the situation. And, and some of my coworkers... Oh, sorry. Some of my coworkers commented and, you know, and so then my friends that are outside of the profession see that and they're like, oh, you know... There's other officers that are like, this is bullshit or whatever. And so I think that that stuff's been good. Now, has there there sometimes been some frustration? For sure. You know, like, hey, like, you know, there's some stuff that's controversial that, you know, maybe I've been on the side of law enforcement or not. And so for me, I've had to explain that to them. And this is why, you know, like one of, we did like a YouTube video about the lethal force, you know, I'm describing like, hey, you know, we're not shooting to kill, it's to stop the threat and all the difference and blah, 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 you know, and we're describing it and it's like, what, you know, it comes to that concept of perspective again, yeah. why don't you shoot the gun out of their hand? Why don't you just shoot them in the leg? And it's like, wait a minute, like, here's the deal, like, I, <laughs> there was, there's a video in, in Pocatello of a man who comes through an apartment door with a machete. Oh my god! You see that? No. Oh, you, you look it up. There's a, and he comes through, and the and the uh, apartment victim, the victim. Wait, yes, yes, yes. He knew. Yes. He knew instead yes. of a camera. Yes. Because he's like, I, 
I don't know if you'll think. Yeah. And so he shot this guy three times in the chest. And yes. this guy is sitting on the couch. And he's like, why did you shoot me? I wasn't going to I, I wasn't gonna hurt you. Blah, blah, blah. And just having a conversation. With, our human, human body is amazing. You know what I mean? And it could, you could fight through so much stuff. And so, and so like, trying to describe that stuff. Oh, it, in all, it's been really good for my relationships with my friends that are truthfully, like, anti-police, anti-establishment, whatever. Like, you know, they're just out to get us and stuff. It's been really good. We've kind of had, they get some insight, common ground, and get like, hey, Keila, what do you think about this video? Or what do you think about this? And so I can give them my perspective of why it could, you know, yes, I know it looks bad, but maybe this is why. And like, well, I didn't even think of that. Or, yeah. And vice versa, you know, yeah. the same thing. Well, why can they? Yeah, you're right. Maybe they could have done it this way. And so it's, it's been good. I, I Like I said, even my friends, I've probably lost very, very few friends that were super anti but for the most part, it's been a good thing. Good. I feel like you're the perfect person in this position. Like, you're, like, the perfect connector because you're able to, like, see different perspectives mm-hmm. and, like, be like, yeah, okay, I can see your point. Yeah. Maybe it should have been this way. Or, like, well, and this is, you can explain, right. well, this is why it is the way that it was or why, you know, they react the way that we do or, like, do what we do because of this logical reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and I'm not, I'm that super, makes me so I'm happy. super comfortable with be like, we were wrong. Yes. Right? And that's that, a strength in life. I'm like, man. yeah, man, that was, I, oh. like, oh, man. You like, can, if you can do that, then yeah, like it's recently, a super powered life. The, two, the ISU athletes that got accused of robbing oh, a bank and yeah, stuff, and I'm yeah. just like, I mean, I'm I'm in my chief's office, like, hey, we need to fi- help them fix this. This is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like, I... It is that way, you know what I mean? And and the cool thing is my chief listened, you know. Yeah. My, you know, they listened and they, they're going to try to help. Like, what can we do? Because you're right. And the fact that you're able to be like, you're like, we we were wrong. They yes. were wrong. Like, like you know, just because, just because, just because you're black and I'm black, I'm not going to agree with you. Just because I'm in law enforcement and you're in law enforcement, I'm going to agree with you. Like, if you were wrong, you were wrong. And from my perspective, right? A perspective. Yes. Again, yes. Right? It's like, if you were wrong, you were wrong. And I think that that's, that's. That's a strong power to have. Totally. And again, like critical thought and like you thinking have to. through. Yes. Okay. Well, you are a superstar. Thank you so much yeah, for no sitting problem. down for and giving your perspective. Great. This is Let's hope we change gold. the world. Yes. That's going to happen. Okay. Well, thank you so much. No and usually, like I ask people how they can follow you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's say I'm at, at that lazy life on Instagram. And okay. it's public. Uh, we were going to YouTube for a minute and then we kind of ah. we kind of backed off uh, and stuff. But yeah, you can check me out. Sweet. Okay. Need, so. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's a whole bunch of fun kids <laughs> stuff, I guess. You know. Oh, kids and I and love dogs. your wife too. Kids we go dogs, back. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you.